Hi, this is Tom Brevoort, and you are listening to the Captain America Comic Fans Podcast. Greetings, Gap fans. It is episode 131 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbonis. How you doing? I've got a... Uh, co-host here by the name of bob lucius he's the best gosh darn co-host out there oh bob take me back way back home not by myself not alone i ain't asking for much <laughs> that's what they all say Rick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh you got me on that one what i know it's a song right but what is the song i'm gonna sing the next two lines right oh, all right well, I'm not going to sing them. I'm just going right. to voice them. I said, Lord, take me downtown. I'm just looking for some tush. <laughs> okay. Again, I don't know as I've told you. On Tuesday nights, we record the Captain America comic book fan. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're, talking, right. you're, you're, you're thinking of the Wednesday night podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome to. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah, you know that song, right? I've heard, I remember it, but I, you know, I can't. For I'm some just reason, looking for some toast. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, the the name of the performer eludes me. Oh come on, Bob! We had this conversation last time we did Castaway in Dimension Z. We did. I threw the gauntlet down on myself. I said, uh -huh. my my future hellos as we do parts yeah. two through ten uh -huh. is going to tie in with the letter. Is it ZZ Top? Z, yes, ZZ Top. <laughs> I said I'm going to tie it in with the letter Z, yeah. which is I'm, not easy you know, to do. There's not a lot out there. I am, I'm, I'm more of a sharp dressed man. Oh, like I, look at you! Yeah, I got a new wallet today, Rick. So did you cool. really? Yeah, I, my friend of mine this weekend had one of those funky metal ones where you just you slide the cards in. Uh huh. You know, and it's like yeah, a yeah. brick. Yeah, not like the soft leather one. Uh -huh. So I was it's like, it's thinner, right? It's thinner. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it has a little money clip on the side of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what? This is space age. This is like Jetsons sort of, you know, card carrying. And my wife is like, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Calm down. <laughs> You're like, she, okay. Okay. But, but yeah, but a certain new pocketbook and it's like, <laughs> right? right. All right. Yeah. But she ordered me one. So it arrived today and I successfully transferred my cards. And mm -hmm. so I'm feeling, I'm feeling like a sharp dressed man. Oh, good for you. So yeah. are are you the kind of guy, um, do you, you, do you sit on your wallet? I do sit on my wallet. I hate sitting on my wallet. I will, yeah. I refuse to sit on my wallet. So I have, you know, a, I don't have a trifold. I have a bifold leather, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. wallet. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's overly huge, but Everywhere I go, she said, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I hurt my tush when I sit on a yeah. wallet. Yeah, you're so like you're like leaning I do. to one it's side, like, like you're on a ship or something. Exactly. Right. So yeah. every, everywhere I go, I take my wallet out. And so if we go to a restaurant, I take my wallet out, put it on the table. 
Yeah. Uh, well, unless it's winter time, you, yeah. you wouldn't know this, but where you live, but in winter time, like I'll have jackets. So I've I'll heard put of that. It, yeah. I'll hit it, put it in the pocket of a jacket. Yeah. But if it's summertime and I'm like wearing shorts or jeans or something like that. Mm -hmm. And no, I take my wallet out because it's too thick. Now, even if I got one of those newfangled, new age, thin ones yeah. that you have, yeah, it would still be too thick for me. Yeah. <laughs> it probably wouldn't. And it, and it wouldn't. Have I know those... you want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's what she said. Um, and so, it, but it does. It also doesn't have those, you know, the soft edges on like a, a bifold, oh, right? Okay. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a sharp brick. You know, it's the size mm -hmm. of a credit card, but it's you know. So uh, yeah, so yeah, that is that is a drawback. But I'm also a receipt stuffer, so Ooh, okay. I'm hoping this is going to help me break that habit because my wallet has the whole George Costanza. Why don't you just have the uh, the receipts emailed to you? They do that now. Do they? I don't yeah. want to have them my email address. You think Why? I want to like give Burger King my email address? You know? No, not like Burger <laughs> King. I mean, no, I'm talking like if, you know, you go into yeah. a place and they're like, you know, I mean, mm. hell, I think, I think uh, gas stations do that now. You know, do you want, want this email to you? Go to Home Depot. Do you want to email to you? I mean, like, yeah. it's all over. Anyway, Man. say, listen, Mr. Environmental Friendly, wh yeah. why are you wasting paper with all these receipts? Well, you should be getting them emailed. But I, you're right. But then I have to print them out. Why? Well, because then I got to like staple them to my, my credit card bill. Yeah, it's, oh my it's, goodness. You're yeah. kidding me. And, and put them in a folder and put them in a filing cabinet and never look at them again, unless somebody comes to audit. So you, every single one of your credit card charges, you have a printout stapled to your credit card <laughs> for bill? work, for work. Yeah. Not for my oh. personal. One. Oh, well for work. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have to. Yeah, you know, put yeah. in an expense report. I thought you were talking about your personal. No, card. no. Because no. that would just be crazy. Yeah. I mean, I use my credit card for everything. I, I don't use cash hardly ever. I do. I I don't. My wife gives me don't okay. She's not listening. So she gives me like <laughs> twenty dollars a week and I, I put it in like an envelope in my drawer and then I just use my, my debit card or my <laughs> credit card, whatever. I, and so I have that's my stash. <laughs> my stash, you know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like a drawer full of twenty dollar bills. Uh, she's like, "This is for you. This is your lunch money." You know. <laughs> You're like, "Oh, thank you, dear. <laughs> You're the best." No, my son was like, "Hey, yeah, uh, you, you know, he needed something." So I'm like, "Oh, let me get, you, I'll get you something here." And I pull it. He's like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> I'm like, You're like "Shut up, shut up. <laughs> we don't need. You've never saw this. We'll never speak of it again." So, I gotta say. That was not wise of you to show your son where you keep your cash stash. I know, right. He now yeah. has something to hold over you big oh, time. Oh, I know. And he does. He does. He does hold these things. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right. So speaking of ZZ Top, do you have a favorite song? You mentioned Sharp Dress Man. Yeah, I love Any Sharp others? Dress Man. Um, they have so many, so many hits. They so do. Many good they songs. do. Um, but I, for some reason, you know, I told you last week, I hear, uh, uh, was it Salisbury Hill? Oh, that's I Peter hear, Gabriel. I, yeah, I hear that like at least every day on my right. commute home. Yeah, you said that. Sharp Dress Man is another one I hear almost really? every day okay. in the radio station I listen to. Um, and uh, and I, I love that song. I remember the video, right? Mm -hmm. and, oh, uh, great videos, yeah. Sometimes my son's in the car with me and that song comes on and I'm like, listen to this. This is important. Um, <laughs> but not the not the tie bar or the whatever the heck they're, you know. So I was like, forget that piece, forget that item. That one's no no longer. Listen to the other ones. Uh -huh. This is good advice. For I don't know. Some man. of their songs are very inappropriate. <laughs> uh, you, and they they all have sexual overtones, right? Yeah. So there's Give Me All Your Lovin'. 
legs. Oh yeah, legs. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm remembering here, these videos. These all right. How about videos. this? Ready? Pearl necklace. Pearl necklace. Yeah, it's a beautiful one. Yeah. <laughs> she wants a pearl necklace, right? Um, how about? Uh, gosh, there's. Um... They were the original Duck Dynasty. That's true. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mentioned legs. Oh, how about this one? Tube snake boogie. <laughs> <laughs> she does the tube snake boogie <laughs> i remember having to ask him what's a tube snake yeah what's that <laughs> i wonder whatever happened is easy top uh i don't know that'd be a great yeah. song man i would old, say even back then so i don't know how well yeah the beards were. will do that too yeah but the uh my two favorite zz top songs lagrange that's a great song. How, how, how. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Rumors spreading round. You know, that, that, <laughs> that's, that's just, that's just a, that's a fun song. You know, yeah. you just, you know, you're tapping your foot to that song. Yeah. And then um, Cheap Sunglasses. Cheap Sunglasses. I remember that one too. Yeah. That's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. ZZ Top. So now I, now I, I, I've burned that bridge. So the next time we come back to Castaway Z, I got to come up with something else. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's see what the happens. gauntlet has been thrown. Uh, birthdays, Bob. We got um, a birthday actually today. Wouldn't say he's a Captain America artist per se. You wouldn't. You wouldn't hear this guy's name and go, "Oh, he's a cap artist," but he's done some pretty cool cap work, and that was Mark Brooks. Yeah. Sure. Some yeah. great covers. I mean, that mm -hmm. guy has done some amazing, some of the fan favorite covers, right? Some of the best ones out there. Um, yeah. I mean, he did, he did the wraparound cover for Captain America Zero. Right. He did a very cool, um, I think about a year or two ago, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, homage to Captain America comics number one, punching out Hitler. That was mm -hmm. very cool. That was a good one. Um, and then he's got a really cool 1940s uh, version cover that he did for Marvel Comics 1000. Love that one. Yeah. So he's got some good ones out there and, and a lot yeah. of commissions too. Yeah. I never actually looked into getting a commission from him. Um, I wouldn't mind that though. Yeah. So happy birthday to uh, Mark Brooks today. Actually, I have a... Uh, I have a story I'll have to tell you off air about Ooh. Mark Brooks. Yeah, I had him as a, as a signing in my comic book store oh, okay. back in the day. Back in the uh, day. I want to say 2004, 2005. Back when in the did... 2000s. Yeah, yeah um, maybe in 2005, I think it was when I had him. And he was uh, he, he came to my store for free comic book day, and he did a, a, a signing there. And um, it was a really cool deal because – at that time, he was doing Captain America. I'm sorry, Cable Deadpool. Um, he was doing, I think, doing Cable Deadpool, and then he was doing uh, some other book. But then he was uh, doing the all ages Marvel Adventures Spider Man series. Mm -hmm. And so the one of the free comic book day issues that year was a. Um, I guess a, a reprint of Marvel Age Spider-Man number one. So we ordered a ton of these because we knew we were going to have them in a the store. It just so happened 
that that weekend was also the release. I want to say of Spider Man Two, mm-hmm. with uh, you know uh, Tobey Maguire. Okay, uh, versus Doc Ock. I, I want to say it was that same weekend. Well, it was definitely that same weekend. I want to say it was that movie. I don't think it was the first Spider Man. I think it was Spider Man Two, and I worked out a deal with the local movie theater, which was less than a mile away down down the street from us, and I gave them like. I don't know, a thousand copies of this Marvel Adventure Spider-Man number one reprint. And it had a little label on the cover. It said free courtesy of comic books, et cetera, which was the name of my store at the time. And it had a website. And then you opened it up and there was a flyer in there. And it was like, bring this comic in to the store, you know, on Saturday from these hours to get it signed by the artist. Mm-hmm. and you know and then a coupon right it was a coup i mean to to, to do that so yeah. i uh you know we we had, we had a lot of people come into the store because of that uh mark very nice guy gentleman uh he and his wife were there and we gave him the red carp carpet treatment um had a blast he had a really good time and um and then then there's the the sketchbook thing and <laughs> oh Oh, I'll have to tell you the rest of that story. <laughs> oh, and leaving the leaving the folks hanging. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, what else is oh, by the way, I <laughs> prior to to recording this uh, episode, I was uh talking with my wife and I was like, oh, I got I gotta come up with a a new hello uh for Bob tonight with the letter Z. And she said, Why? I said, No, that's the letter before. <laughs> i love that one <laughs> she just rolled her eyes and she's like oh uh, yeah you married me <laughs> <laughs> perfect uh anyway so if you're listening uh as the on the day this this episode comes out it's it's wednesday april 12th and what just happened a few days ago we finally ended our cap madness bracket for favorite captain america writer and we started with 32 writers and we worked our way down sweet 16 elite eight final four and then three days ago we we named the champion of the bracket and we just want to say congratulations to the winner for getting the most votes as favorite Captain America writer. <laughs> okay, Bob. So we're we're recording this several weeks before. Yeah. We have, we have no idea who it's gonna right. be. Yeah. yeah. So we should probably like, you know, pretend and you know, it's somebody and then just go with that. All right. What do you think? Sure. All right, who who do you think actually is going to win? I think it is going to be Grunewald. I do too. I think Mark Grunewald is going to win. All right, yeah. so let's go with that. Ready? All right. All right. So congratulations to Mark Grunewald. Amazing, amazing. Right? I didn't see that coming. What do you mean you didn't see it? He's the favorite. <laughs> no, of course I saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Grew one. That, that's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. We're very excited uh, because you know he had a 
the, obviously the longest tenure, uh, 10 years as writer of the Captain America series and has written, wrote so many beloved stories, including uh, the, the Captain storyline where Steve Rogers gave up being mm-hmm. Captain America, which we covered here, uh, Bloodstone Hunt, uh, Streets of Poison, uh, lots of you know mm-hmm. different stories over the years. He introduced so many cool characters. Um, so con- congratulations, grew well deserved. Yeah, one of those times where the sentimental favorite and uh, the favorite uh, in terms of not only quantity but quality converges into a single individual. Indeed, and that was a lot of fun doing doing that. It was. All right, Bob. Who 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 else do you think might win? Oh, I I think it could be. Uh, I think it could be. No, it's not going to be Ed Brubaker, Brubaker right? You th- yeah. I don't know. You think no, he's, he's totally. I'm telling you, it's going to come down to Gruen Brubaker. Okay. All right. All right. You want to do Brubaker? There's a lot of stodgy folks out there. I think. Yeah. Well, again, we got quality and quantity. That's Ed Brubaker, right? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right congratulations mm. to Ed. Brewbaker. Way you, to go, Ed. You are the favorite Captain America writer, as as voted by Cap fans in our Facebook group. So that makes it official. It does. Yeah. It totally does. Yeah. You know. So. I mean, he 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 battled through some some really tough competition to get here, right? He he beat James Robinson, he beat Dan Jurgens, he beat somebody in the other bracket, uh, yeah. elite eight and yeah. final four, <laughs> but <laughs> congratulations, Ed. Uh, we hope you are uh, pleased with this, uh, this award and we would love to have you on the show to, uh, give it to you personally. Yeah. Yep. That would be great. You know, the thing is, I, I was skeptical that Ed would, uh, would pull this out. Not because he's not great. He's great. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, yeah. he, he created, uh, he created, and just a whole body of work that fundamentally, I think, shifted in a lot of people's minds what a cap story looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the the narrative. And uh, yeah, there'd been a little, you know, realistic stories before, sometimes dark stories, but he took that to a whole new level and like Cap Wolf. It. Yeah, like Cap Wolf, exactly what I was thinking. And of mm-hmm. course the the Doughboy saga. Um, but, uh, God, I'd love to see that, but, um, you know, but he just took it in a whole new direction and did it, uh, not only, um, magnificently, but in a way that is memorable. Um, so I, I'm not surprised, I guess that's who I would have voted for. Yes. Here, here. Congratulations to Ed Brubaker. That was exciting. All right. Who, who else we got Bob? probably like, what do you think? Mark Wade, Mark Wade for sure. Okay. All right, man. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations, Mark Wade, for for winning the favorite Captain America writer, and and by far, I gotta tell you, he's one of my favorites. Um, you know, I enjoyed all of his runs on Captain America, whether it was the initial run with Ron Garney, starting uh, with was it issue four forty four, where he he picked up after Mark Grunewald, whether it was bringing back in volume three with Ron Garney to kick that off uh, or maybe the Sentinel of Liberty series that he did mm-hmm. the man at a time miniseries. Awesome stuff. Uh, coming back and, and, and redoing 
after the whole Nick Spencer storyline and, and kind of bringing cap back into the heartland and with the new numbering with the issue 700 with Chris Samney. Uh, I mean, all that stuff was just fun, fun stuff. I I'm a big Mark way fan, as you know. Yeah, I am too. And you know, maybe this, this well in hard won victory will be what it takes to get him to backtrack on that commitment to not write Captain America. Every I day. know, right? right? Come on, Mark. I know. He said he would never do it again. Mm-hmm. But the fans, the fans are calling. Exactly. It's like Sean Connery. Never say never again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. Right. All right. So now, now you, you pick one and announce it. Just surprise me. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, uh, Rick, I think this, not a surprise to anybody who loves Captain America, but uh, I'm going to go with Steve Englehart here. <gasps> no, no, you're not going to go with it. Just, no, right. You're going to announce <laughs> you're right. it. You're going to say right, it. You're right. Yeah. Here's a surprise, Rick, and I think this is going to surprise a lot of folks, but maybe not. Uh, I, I was a little bit surprised, but you know, when, the, when it all sorted out, when the dust settled, here we have Steve Englehart. <gasps> what? What? Yeah, I know. No right? way. Uh, yeah, I know. It was that was a shocker to me when Steve Englehart won the whole thing. He he was kind of like a dark horse. I mean, he don't get me wrong. I mean, he did start as the number five seed, so it can't be that surprising that he he worked his way up. I mean, he beat Peter Gillis. He beat Roy Thomas. Yeah. Right. Right. Then he beat J.J. Mateus. And then he bought, beat Mark Grunewald, and then he beat Ed Brubaker. I mean, yeah. wow, that's a gauntlet that he went through. I can't believe he did that. Well, you know, it goes to show the power of of a memorable story, right? That's and I, true. And I think in this case, you know, uh, you know, we can't deny. I mean, we've reviewed it. it was one of the first story arcs that we reviewed, right? The oh uh, yeah, the cap of the 1950s story arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, that's a memorable one that uh, fans of Cap of any generation know that story. And so, you know, that might have been just what it took to put him over the hump and secure the title this year. I guess so. Well, congratulations, Mr. Engelhart. Uh, we uh, maybe we'll have you back on the show to to give you the award personally. You know, if you really think about it, Bob, uh, uh, a lot of these finalists we actually had on the show. We 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 had Steve Englehart, we had J.M. DeMatteis, we had Mark Wade, uh, and heck, we even had Mark Grunewald's wife, Catherine Schuler Grunewald. Yeah, you know. So we uh we've we've been very lucky. We would love to get Ed Brubaker. Come on, Ed. One of these days, but yeah, yeah. Don't be that way, Ed. But all joking aside, it was a lot of fun doing this bracket this uh, this this year, and we hope everybody else out there had fun too. Uh, please put in your your comments on the Facebook page. Let us know if uh, you enjoyed it, if you were uh, excited about who won, if you were disappointed. Um, who did you really want to see out there? Uh, and you know, also feel free to put your thoughts in for next year. What, what, uh, what topic do you want us to cover next year? We did favorite artist. We did favorite cover. We just finished favorite writer. So what's the next bracket? Let yeah. us know. What is the next bracket? I'm going to have to start thinking about that one myself, right? Hmm. Favorite ad. Interesting. 
Hey, Bob, should we get to the comic we actually are supposed to cover today? Oh, shoot, yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right. As we are doing this second Wednesday of every month for 10 months straight in a row, we are covering Captain America Volume 7, the first 10 issues, Cast Away in Dimension Z. And if you haven't listened to the other episodes, recover issues one and two, highly recommend you do that. Episode 122 and 126. So listen to those and then come back here and listen to issue three. So this issue, number three, had a cover date of March 2013, but it had a release date of January 16th. So it... uh it's been out over 10 years now, Bob. Time does fly, Rick. It's amazing because we both look still look so damn good. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the creators for this, we have the writer, Rick Remender, penciler, John Remetta Jr., anchor, Klaus Jensen, colorist, Dean White and Lee Lowridge, letterer, Joe Karamanga, editor, Tom Brevoort. I don't have a solicitation for you this time around, Bob. So sorry. All right. Well, this time. (laughs) Uh, How about you describe the cover to our listeners? All right. Well, uh, you know, what we see, if you recall from the last issue, um, was what looked to be the the leader of this. um, what, what, What are they? Mutates? Yeah, sure. There's you know, some sort of mutate, these very large, very large uh, reddish muscular beings. And there was one in particular that was the leader. He was sitting mm-hmm. on a throne the last week we saw him. Mm-hmm. And he had gotten up and uh, had taken uh, Captain America's shield. And both both Steve and Ian were pinned down uh, in uh, on their knees, uh, getting ready to have their heads chopped off with the shield. And in this scene, we see that mutate king with uh, uh cap shield mm-hmm. and uh, he is looming large in his golden armor and mm-hmm. uh steve is in the foreground of course he's he's got his cowl off but his captain america gear uh, is on and he's got his long hair hair and his long beard and he is uh he's like zz top he's like zz top <laughs> and he is delivering a white cross to uh-huh. the mutate king's jaw uh and, and it's a uh, an action shot and in the back you see sort of the mutate crowd, they look almost shocked 
at uh, what is transpiring in front of them. And then in the ground, in, 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 right, in, in behind the Captain America logo, we see some sort of uh, explosion going on. It's throwing debris up into the air right in front of Cap and the Mutate King. So mm -hmm. it's a great action shot, lots of color, lots of, uh, lots of motion, uh, and just a really nice composition. Yeah, very well, very well put. I, I actually didn't even pay much attention to those in the background being surprised. So thanks for pointing that out. And uh, also, Cap, Cap's uniform is disheveled, right? It's got some some bandages on it, some tears, some stains. Uh, so it's obviously, you know, worn down. The logo is a, uh, it says Captain America. It's at, actually at the bottom, which is strange, right? Uh, typically the logo is at the top and the creator's names are at the bottom. But for some reason they reversed it and they thought it was more important to put the creator's names at the top. I don't know why. Uh, maybe during that time, Rick Remender and John Remita's name uh, were hot. I don't know, um, but it's interesting. And I will tell you why typically you don't see that, um, because for display purposes, a lot of times comics will be in front of each other. So the logo needs to be at the top. So you don't always see the full cover because of like, for instance, a spinner rack, right? Um, so you'd only see maybe half of the cover or something like that. Um, and also quite frankly, when you are going through a back issue bin, I think most comic fans have all been there. You're going through a back issue bin, you're trying to find a particular number. And so when they moved it from that top left corner down to the bottom or down to even worse to the, the UPC box, and it's like you have to pull every comic out to see, like, what's the issue number on this? Um, that's always a pain. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I do remember that happening. All right. So we cut open to the opening page and it is a recap page, which has an image. Uh, it appears to be, I want to say the end of issue one, but I could be wrong. That's basically Cap holding an infant as he came out of the wreckage. And then it uh, basically starts with previously. So, Bob, like last time, do you want to read the recap for the listeners? I'd be happy to, Rick. Previously, a year has passed since Captain America was stranded in the wastelands of Dimension Z through the evil machinations of Arnim Zola. Worn down by the unforgiving terrain, hostile locals, and the effects of Zola's experiments, Steve tried to find a way home while also protecting Ian, the young child he rescued during his escape from Zola's lab. But after narrowly defeating a giant mutate, Steve and Ian were captured by the Frocks, a primitive tribe native to Dimension Z. The Frocks mistook Steve and Ian as minions of Zola, their sworn enemy, and have sentenced them to beheading by Cap's own shield. I know. Remember how we are like a cliffhanger at the end of the last one? Uh, yeah, right. I mean, the, the last panel itself Dola. was just black with the mm -hmm. sound effect. Shunk. Yeah. And we're like, right. Oh. It was cliffhanger. Right. I know it was, was. We still don't know what happened. And by the way, I don't know if I got enough credit for my, my hello to you, Bob, because, <laughs> because not only was it a tie in with the Z, yeah. the lyrics itself were 
take me back yeah. way back home mm. not by myself not alone mm, nice right yeah it's steve wanting to go home yeah, and take it in yeah 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 uh, huh <laughs> i guess i was distracted by the whole tush thing so. i guess so i guess so all right so we get to the next page and it is switzerland zola ancestral castle 1929 that's a hell of a castle bob that's a nice, nice, nice place. Yeah. I mean, that's, that looks like a, um, I don't know, a, a luxury hotel resort mm -hmm. that hundreds of guests would come stay at with the it, amount of windows and levels that it has. I think, I think you're referring to Hotel Transylvania. Blah, could blah, be. blah. It could be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it the background certainly looks like that, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it is very gloomy, and we have someone at the door talking to Herr Zola, a much younger Zola. Well, than, it is nineteen we've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I haven't seen Hilda since two weeks back, Nicholas. She came did her usual half-hearted attempt at cleaning, she left. When she did not arrive for work, I assumed it was from disgrace. She's never been gone for so long, Arnhem. Never. She had Herman, our Doberman, with her. I, I, I thought he would be protection. They never came home, and, and I, I... She'll be home to you soon, I am sure. And he closes the door on a crying man. Interesting. Two things here. Mm -hmm. uh, that he has a place that huge and he only has one cleaning person coming. <laughs> and two, he enters his own door. <laughs> well, there may be a reason for that, Rick. Mm. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's a good. That's a good catch, though, about the one cleaning lady for his thousand room castle. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that she did it <laughs> half ass. Uh, <laughs> well, I go, yeah, she's got to be fast to get through all those rooms. Then get a Roomba. Exactly. Cricket. So he's uh he's dressed in a in a black dress suit, the white collar and shirt and everything, and he's walking, but he's leaning. He, he has a lurch about him as he's walking forward, wouldn't you say? I'd say a bit of a stoop, yes. Okay. And he's walking by a, oh gosh, it's got to be a 10-foot tall painting of an old man with a, a like a military uniform. Ger looks like a German, could be, but, but it is Switzerland, so who knows? But And he's walking by and he's waving off the painting of his father. Yes, yes, I hear you, father. My exploration is grotesque to a nobleman such as you. A strong body is acquired through strenuous labor and the hefting of weight, isn't that so? In this capacity, I was always sure to fail you. You never could understand. 
Those with adequate intelligence and inventiveness need not seek out excellence through brute strength. Science holds the key to everlasting human perfection. I find the urge to be. You, you she blinded like, me with science. <laughs> I was going to. I was like, yeah, you sounded a bit like Thomas Dolby there. I have to. <laughs> she blinded me with science. Oh my what God. a great song that was yeah. back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day, it was a great song. Back Listen to day, it now. Yeah, You're probably like. But knowledge hides. Now that is an interesting line. But knowledge hides. I like that. One must roam and play in search of its clues. Each new insight bringing us closer to the key. You see, there is no such thing as a gaff. Hilda here, for example, a life once destined for insignificance has shown me many secrets that move us even closer to the answer. And Bob, I'm going to let you describe the room. Oh, OMG, Rick. I can tell you right now, uh, this, this, what? It's it's almost, what, uh, three three quarters of the page here uh, yeah. is, is disturbing in the least, right? So we're in Zola's laboratory, and uh, it is chock-a-block full of uh, cases and large tubes enclosing all manner of uh, body parts from different species, including humans. So heads and torsos and limbs strung up around the room. Uh, there are creatures that are the product of a melding of one or two or more species. And right in the middle, there is one particular one. It appears to be a woman at least her head grafted on to the body of a somewhat large dog. Perhaps a Doberman. Woof. And she's in a glass case and is begging for milk food. And Zola puts his human hand into the glass cage and pets her head like a dog and she's complaining about it hurting not for long do not be scared hilda be proud you are a link to mankind's perfect future and then we cut to the next panel next page and it is arnim zola's robotic mutate non-human arm that is petting the same like the side of the head just like he was petting uh hilda and it's um the young girl that cap saw in issue one when he was on strapped to the table and he saw a young girl and he's basically got his hand uh, next to her face and we're now in Dimension Z. I am not ready, Father. You were born ready. You are a perfect physical specimen. This suit, it is so uncomfortable. Without it, you would be a good deal more uncomfortable. 
It dampens your wonderfully heightened omnisenses, Jet. Now, how would you describe Jet? Oh my goodness, she is. Uh, she's a very young young girl. I mean, I she's she's certainly. Uh, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, ten. Uh, young, uh, small stature. She only comes up to Zola's uh, waist. She's got uh, dark hair, uh, um, you know, cut rather short, and uh, you can see that she's got a, a piece of headgear on, so it, it definitely covers the back of her hair. So I, I don't know if it's long in the back, uh, but you know, she's she's a beautiful young little girl uh, wearing, in this case, uh, what looks to be not an entire suit of armor, but certainly there are some armor plates covering her from the knees down and, and her forearms and her, uh, her shoulders and upper torso and, and around her waist as well. So, uh, and, and as Zola says here, it's a special type of, of armor designed especially for her needs. And how would you describe Zola to the listeners maybe who didn't listen to the last two episodes on this story? Yeah, well, I mean, he is, as you, as you said, this is not his original organic body. So it, it is a uh, cybernetic body. And, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, his, his legs and his, uh, his arms are uh, a sort of a golden armor. He's got purple boots and his, his torso from the waist up and his shoulders are uh, purple as well. Um, where his head would be, uh, there is a, a camera apparatus. So he has no head on the top of his torso, but in the center of his chest, there is, a, in this rendering anyway, a, a 3D, almost holographic representation of, of his face emerging uh, from, a, from a cavity in the, in the front of the chest. Very nice. And I would say the look on the face is that one of, you know, a reassuring, calming face well it certainly wouldn't be to me rick he, he has red eyes uh you know it's sort of a uh, sort of a bluish hue to the three-dimensional representation but his eyes are red and uh, no it's not a friendly visage by any stretch of the imagination at least to my eyes well i'm just talking about the expression i'm not saying the structure uh, of his face but the yeah. expression on his face yes is one well, of tenderness yeah when he's looking at this young girl yes right yes, it, it is. is one of tenderness yeah yeah. He's got a bit of a smile playing on his uh, holographic lips. All right. But I, I find that interesting, you know, that he's being so tender to this young girl and he considers his daughter. Yeah, indeed. Once you master these gifts, you will no longer need the suit and you will see the stars and hear to the heavens, my beauty. Now, go. Excel at the trials. You should show your father you are prepared. And she goes through these doors. Uh, and, and it's almost like going out into uh, an arena as a gladiator. And she, this little girl goes out to there. And there's all these ginormous mutates that are armored up and have weapons uh, that are standing there to basically, it looks like, attack her. And she says, for what, father? For what do I prepare? And then the heavy doors are closing between him and her. And you see half his face. And then he no longer has that look of concern. It is now a serious look. 
for the wretched evil that awaits us all. All right, I just want to stop here because I find uh, it, it interesting. So we have only been three pages into the story, and yet we have had a lot happen. The first two pages are set in the 1920s where we see a human, Arnim Zola, and how he's beginning his experiments. Then we cut to really only one page of Arnim Zola and Jet in the current timeline. And it's both of these are setting up the, the advancing the narrative of the story. Like, I don't think we saw Arnim Zola in issue two. No, not an issue too. No. Yeah. So I think this is interesting. Like, like they're, they're trying, he's Rick Remender is advancing the story because he's got a lot going on here. Yeah. And he's telling us, telling us a great deal about, about uh, jet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we cut back to where we left off to the end of issue two. And it was when we, Steve and Ian had their heads on the block and the, the dictator was there with Cap's shield uh, uh, cutting off the head of, of one mutate and was about to do it for Ian. And we're in the Franks cavern. And we cut to a close-up of Steve's eye as he's staring at what's going on next to him. This isn't going to happen. Now, he's got his hands in a handcuffs uh, that in his head on top of a chopping block. So he's in a very, very vulnerable position as he kneels in front of it. Behind him is somebody with a staff with like electrical zapper that is actually zapping his strength and taking his strength away, but is also hurting him. And he yells and he says to himself, break the hand. You will not let this happen. And he does. He breaks his hand in order to pull it out of the shackle and out of the glove that was there. And he uses his right hand uh, and his, or uses his right arm with the broken hand. And he puts up and he knocks away the staff that was electrocuting him. God is witness. You will see this boy home. And he dives across grabs Ian away from the block just as his shield comes down and makes that shlunk noise. And he pulls him away. You're going to take care of things. Going to get us out of here. And he avoids a hit and then he turns and he goes to punch the dictator with his broken hand, Bob. That's got to hurt, right? That has got to smart. Yeah. Going to find the way. But he gets knocked down. And then an electric, um, I guess, sword, some sort of uh, javelin, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's it looks like electricity, but it is supposed to be solid, appears. And he's about to be uh, hit, but another one of the, the mutates comes up and speaking in that language 
um, confronts the dictator. And Ian lays on top of Steve and yells, stop. And they're yelling back and forth and uh, arguing over top of Steve's body. And then you, you, you see Steve's inner monologue. Pray that Pym's universal translator does its job. Our lives hinge on it. And that was something that he he, he mentioned in the last episode, that he there was uh, Hank Pym created a universal translator that, you know, is hidden on all of the, the Avengers, you know, uniforms. And he had it in his glove and he had it turned on. And it's calibrating and cataloging and deciphering. And then the the words of the protector of Steve translate into no servant of Zola. When found him, he was combating mutates. Him, Hurricane. He can help Hurricane mutates for us, Zafjur. Helping me? We'll see. Helping soon, or goes to fields of forever. Hand shattered. Come, Kazul, help. Thank you. Zola mutates. They die for we live. Then you help. So Cap's been rescued. Now we cut to the next page, and we are in Manhattan, the Lower East Side, in 1930. And we see a young Steve Rogers sitting on the steps on a city sidewalk next to a store that is out of business. And he's got a pad and pencil and he's drawing. Now, Bob, on the front of the store, mm -hmm. it says something like, uh, I, I don't want to say potions, but it would be options, prescriptions. just prescriptions. And then it has x -lax. Right. Now, you said in the last episode, you were going to talk about something without x -lax. And then I asked you about it, and you're like, "Well, we'll get to it in the story." And then we never got to it. Were you were you one issue ahead? Perhaps I don't think so. Um, I think maybe we might have seen it that sign before in a previous flashback with uh, with Cap. Maybe in issue one. Okay. So, but I did, I do, I do recall seeing the X lax sign, and uh, and I thought, oh gosh, that stuff was good. Yeah. <laughs> you ever have that as a kid? No, I, my mom, my mom kept it yeah. uh, in the refrigerator because she would break off a bar. Right. You know, when it was something necessary, like you, yeah. you know, and I was like, there's chocolate candy in here. Right. And my mom was like, no, no, you don't want to eat that. That's not. And she would explain it to me. Yeah. And so, no, I never had one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember you know, having had that need occasionally as a child. Uh, and I, I don't know if they sell it anymore. So it was always a good trick to play on your friends. So whatever. Hmm. Yeah. You would do that to your friend? I would. Yeah, I would indeed. Yeah. Oh, Bob, that's not what Cap would do. That's what Cap would do when he was 12. Yeah. Yeah. I but challenge only, you on that. We are, good we are watching stories here of what Cap <laughs> would do when he was young. And it wasn't that. Well, I don't know. You wouldn't do that to an enemy. But mm. certainly you'd play a practical joke on you. 
You know, that's, that brings up a point. I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'd ask the listeners if they can think of any time that uh, Steve Rogers, more cap, played a practical joke. Mm. Is he the type that would be into practical jokes or, or not? And if, if, is there any evidence that anyone can recall of a time uh, when he played a practical joke? I challenge our listeners to do that. Yeah, please post in the Facebook group. I think it's a great idea, Bob. I, I want to know. Yeah, if you come up with something, I got a little something special I'll send you. Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sweeten the pot there. All right. So Steve's uh, drawing away, and he's watching a group of girls on the sidewalk. And then one of the girls notice, uh, as her friend points, and she turns, and she walks over. And she sees Steve, and he hides away the the notebook. Hi. Oh, hey. What's that you're sitting on? Uh, I don't know. N nothing. Can I see it? And he smiles, and he hands it to her. And she sees a, a drawing of her. It's good. My grandpa Ian draws. He taught me. Draw your way out of this dump, I bet. What's your name? Steve Rogers. I'm Deidre Doyle. Y you used to be in my class, didn't you? You did? Yeah. Why'd you stop going? My my dad died. Ma doesn't make enough. You know, I, I try and be some help. I work, sell papers, do odd jobs. So you're homeschooled? You're so lucky. Mrs. Cavanaugh is a bore. Can't keep my eyes open half the time. Stupid move, Pinhead. And we, we look. Remember that, that jerk from last issue? The one who threw a, a, mm -hmm. a, a brick in the back of Steve's head? Right, yeah. After his dad died? Yep, yep. Well, he, he and his buddies are chasing a, a kid. He was a um, young, small kid, dark hair, glasses, um, dressed well. Holding out on the wrong guy, Roth. This ain't going to end well. Not after making me run. And Steve's like, Arnie? Wait a minute. Roth? Arnie? What? Arnie Roth. Oh, my goodness. Well, they were boyhood chums. Yeah, and we finally get to see that. And so Steve starts to go after them. And Deidre's like, Steve, don't. And, he, and they go into an alleyway, and there's four of them teaming up on poor Arnie Roth. And one's holding him, and the, the leader is punching him. You're one dumb piece of work, Nancy. Running from me? How else did you see this ending? Show some foresight next time and just give us the nickel. And so Steve and, and Deidre are there, but she's like, come on. It's simple math, Roth. Even a goon oddball like you should understand the choice. But Steve doesn't listen. And he shows up. Look at here, will you, Georgie? What are you doing, shrimpo? Looking for a quiet place to fill up Deidre? And Steve just goes up and he punches the larger boy. And the, 
He doesn't really hurt. He doesn't really hurt him, but he knocks him back. I, I think I don't think he connected, Rick. Yeah. I think he swung and missed because the, the, the boy just sort of backed out of the way. But he does fall. He does. And he gets up and he ain't happy. Okay. However you want it. Hold that lousy little cockroach. And kid from behind grabs him by the shoulder and the hair. Ow! And he is. He's getting he's getting punched in the face and his gut. Getting kicked. Pretty gal needs to pick a companion's more careful. These limp noodles ain't it, sister. You know what happened to your reputation? You hanging out with Shrimpo and Nancy? I, I, I just met him, Hutch. Ain't like we're friends or nothing. And they walk away. She walks away with him. And then one of the boys kicks him while Steve's down. Cheer up. At least you got each other. And so they cut to later and the two boys are, are walking down the street and they're all soiled and in a lot of pain. And then when she left with them, wow. That's a pop in your mug, Rogers. I mean, ouch. Don't you ouch me, Roth. It happened because of you. Happy because I'm a small Jew who let the wrong goons see and I'd saved a nickel for some baseball cards. I'm done getting beat on. Gotta start going to the ring. Learn to fight back. Girls would like you better. Yeah. Why do girls like jerks? What do I know from girls? Aliens. A total mystery. The reptilian brain. Looking for safety, I guess. Anywho. Thanks for being a pal, Rogers. You're all right. You got it. I'm going to go explain this to my ma. Listen to my pops. Call me a sissy. Yeah. Not a problem I have. And he walks home. We cut back to Dimension Z. Back home, they'll have given up on me by now. Assuming the worst. But not Sharon. Without a body, she'll agonize endlessly. Broken and furious at herself for sending me. Home is so impossibly far away. Let me cut to what's going on here, Bob. Well, it looks like, well, you know, Steve is, is doing a little painting. And uh, he's painting, uh, you know, Sharon looking beautiful in a pink dress in a park. And while he's doing that and, and thinking to himself, we've, we've got uh, a couple of the frocks uh, that are in the kitchen with Ian um, cooking. I wouldn't say he's doing a little painting. He's doing like a whole wall. It like is a, a mural. mural. Yeah. Yeah. But there are things to be grateful for. Kasul and his wife have given us shelter. Ian has food. Painting calms the bug in my head, endlessly predicting the wreckage of the future. But then he he grimaces and bends over in pain and yells out. The pain? Papa? Uh, I'm all right. Just give me a second. Come, we will get you the crystal water. Help pain. And so they walk out of the the, the home into the cavern where there's a lot of others there and then go up, goes up to the edge 
I'm getting worse. Need to get home soon. Are there other tribes? Maybe they know how to find Zola City. Other tribes gone. Zola's beasts disrupt food chain. Tribes starve. Rocks spared. Have many fish. Hide low in Temple Cavern. Many think protection of terrible Zavstar is reason we survive. He didn't protect you. You protect yourselves. And Cap gets the water. And Kasul, uh gets like a some sort of fishing rod and lowers a line into the water. And then Steve says to him, One man isn't an army. You give him his power. You have the ability to take it back for yourself and for your people. To get the people to rise against Zafjar will never be. Fear has taken the hearts. And just like that, Bob, he pulls up a gigantic fish creature that is the size of him. Wow, fishing's really easy there. You just put a line in and you pull it up. Yeah, it has some very large teeth, however. Yeah, I'm not I'm not dehooking that one. Yeah. You know, I you know I had to do line. that. I had to do that for many years, Bob. You know that, right? Did, did you? I was the first mate on my dad's boat for eight years. Oh my. Uh yes. I uh You were like his Gilligan. I totally was. Yeah. Yeah. From age ten to eighteen. I Every weekend, spring through fall, I was the first mate on my dad's charter boat out of Delaware. And I hate fishing. <laughs> I really do. Uh, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I had to de-hook a fish. Um, and Steve goes on to tell him, it only takes one to rise for others to follow. But coming from behind, yes, then rise. And it's, what's his name? Uh, Zafjar. 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 And he takes Cap's shield, his own shield, and hits him in his back, in the back of his head, sending him flying. And then Zafjar goes after Kasal. This is why you want him to live? To undermine the safety of Khan? He is right, Zafjar. You are tyrant. No truth. Tell me. Would tyrant offer swift mercy? And he reaches into his holster, pulls out a weapon, shoots him in the head, killing him. And Steve yells out, No! God, what have I done? Don't let him get off another shot. My fault. Told Kasul to stand up. Told him to die. Move past the building migraine. Show him what the old gal tastes like. And they're battling back and forth, and he gets the shield, and he nails him, an uppercut, into Zafjar's face. But then the next panel, you see the expression on Steve's face is one of disbelief. All the strength I have, it did nothing. And Zafjar pushes him down, gets the... uh electric rod javelin whatever out of his left hand and he slices at Steve's chest and it cuts into him and Steve yells out in agony 
You defy Zofjar. You disrespect frocks. And Steve grabs one of those crystals from the ground. Get up. Not just your life on the line. Ian will be alone, stranded here forever. And he hits him in the face. And he says, go down. And then he nails him across the throat. And it's all my fault. And Zafjar does fall. And the other creatures around him start cheering. The cap grabs his gut, which is just dripping blood. In searing agony, open me wide, skin sliding off bone. I lied to Ian, lying since I got him into this walking nightmare, lying every time I promised him we'd make it. And he runs away deeper into the cavern to be alone. Every time I promised I'd get him home. Blood. There should be more, should be. And then we hear a voice coming from down below, underneath his face. You should be more careful. And we cut to the last page. It is a giant splash page. And Cap looks down and his entire chest and abdomen area is Zola's face. And says... You must protect your Zola, Herodras. He is your new closest friend. And Cap looks in disbelief. To be continued. Come on. Here we are again, Rick. Another cliffhanger. What? <laughs> He's got a Zola face, just like Arnim Zola. Yeah, this one has yellow eyes. I don't know if that was intentional or or just a coloring. No, mine's, mine looks red. So does it? Oh, yeah. All right. Mm. Oh. I mean, oh mine. Interesting. Maybe it's my eyes. Who knows? I mean, so technically, what is it? it could be what, more orange. I don't know. What does this mean? Well, remember when mm -hmm. he woke up at the end of issue one? Yeah. On the table, and Zola yeah. had been experimenting on him, and his, he, you know, his chest. Well, apparently, he inserted something inside his chest that represents some nanobots. Well, I, I, I don't know, like you know, you know how like Zola's got the face yeah. in the middle of his torso. Right. He did the same thing to Cap. Yeah, he like inserted himself into Cap's body. Yeah. That's an odd, odd thing to say, though, isn't it, though? You must protect your Zola, Air Rogers. He is your new closest friend. Well, closest, I think, was a play on words. Yeah. Friend? Well, I don't we'll know. see. We will have to see. What did you think of this issue? I thought it was great. I loved uh, the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. I uh, particularly loved... Uh, learning a bit more about Zola's origins and, and his time as an organic. Uh -huh. um, that's not a, a time that is uh, explored a lot in, in the comics. So that was, True. that was good. I think this is 
is probably the earliest that we get to see Zola in his life that I can recall. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love the, the two flashbacks that we had of, uh, of Steve Rogers as, as a young boy back in mm-hmm. 1930. So that was, that was great. Um, nice. I mean, amazing to see Arnie Roth. Yeah. You know, as a young boy and that early friendship uh, just beginning to bloom. Um, curious though about Deidre Doyle. Mm. Yeah, a little character. double D action there. Double double D. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, is that a name that's been been used before? Not that I can remember. No, interesting. She didn't make our top ten love interest. She didn't. It, but it, you know, it just strikes me as interesting that um, when she was introduced in this issue, I mean, they they gave both her first and last name. I did. I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah. So wonder if Rick Remender had something else in mind. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder that as well. So all in all, great book, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and also, you know, this, this idea that, uh, um, you know, Steve put his rescuer's life in jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately caused him to be killed. Right. I mean, led, mm. led to his death. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I certainly don't blame Steve. He was trying to be, he was trying to inspire him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I get that, but uh, time and Yeah. So we, we got, like you said, we explored Artem Zola. Uh, we also got to learn a little bit more about Jet. Right. Yeah. Right. A yeah. lot, a lot. This, this issue went fast, but a lot happened in it. Yeah. Um, Co- covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's start with the, favorite panel now you went first last time so it's my turn to go first i'm going to go with page 11 and i'm going to go with the panel number two this is the flashback to steve and he walks up into the alleyway and he goes to punch the bigger bully. Yeah. My favorite panel because here's a a weakling Steve Rogers who is standing up for uh, so you know, standing up for somebody against the bully. And it just epitomizes what Steve's all about. And so I'm going to say that's my favorite panel of this particular issue. All right. I kind of have a uh, I have a choice here, Rick. That I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm a bit hesitant to to say it, but I'm going to go with that one that three quarter pa- uh, panel uh, splash of uh, of Zola in his lab, uh, that disturbing one with poor Hilda with her head grafted on a Doberman's body, and it's it's a it's a difficult and scary um, page yeah. to to see, right? But it really encapsulates everything about Zola that is terrifying that he's so um, obsessed with, with the scientific advancement in, in this particular field that interests him, that there are no costs that are too high for other people to pay for him to, you know, achieve them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this just really just screams that uh, obsessiveness uh, loud and clear. So it's a, it's a disturbing, disturbing page rendered with, you know, nauseating detail, uh, but it does stick in your mind. It does. It, it, it's one, it's one of the stuff of nightmares. 
It is one of those things. That, yeah, right. Uh, right. I may, yeah. may have some bad dreams tonight after seeing that particular panel. All right. Well, good for you. I'm glad it's your favorite one. Weirdo. All right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, of everything that's in here, Bob, what is t-shirt worthy for you? Oh, you know, I'm going with the cover, Rick. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I love that action scene of, mm -hmm. of Cap delivering that right cross all up against uh, Zolfjaw. Uh, his jaw, you know, and you can, uh, you can almost, it reminds me a bit of a Rocky, a Rocky fight, you know, mm, where okay. in slow-mo, where you can almost see his, uh, the Zofjaw's jaw kind yeah. of yep, yep. shifted to, to, to one side as the punch connects and travels, travels through. So it's a great action shot. And then uh, it's, it's a little bit unorthodox. We don't often see a lot of cap on the t-shirt with mm -hmm. his uh with his cowl off like this and mm -hmm. but it's a cool it's a it'd make a great great t-shirt all right how about yourself i'm gonna go the exact opposite literally i'm going to the last page the big splash panel of steve tearing open his shirt looking down his chest and seeing zola's face there that is creepy you slap that on a t-shirt, you're going to get some looks. I think you're right. I, I, that's, that's a good, that, that <laughs> you're definitely going to get some looks, right? What, what the heck is going on there? Yeah. Well, it's a beautifully rendered, uh, rendered page. And I think that would look great on a shirt as well. Yeah. People are going to come up to you going, why is there a face on Thor's chest? <laughs> you're right. You're right. That's exactly what people are going to say. <laughs> uh, all, all right. right. Yep. I get to do my time capsule. Yes, you do. Page 13, panel number one. So this is when Arnie and Steve are walking all disheveled after their beatdown. And they're walking through the city town in Brooklyn. And they see, um, you see the, what's going on behind them. And what you see is a, a car driving down the street, but going in the opposite direction is a horse pulling a buggy. And so that's a very specific time period where we were transitioning from horse-drawn carriages to motor vehicles. And so I think that's a very specific you know, you can look at that and go, okay, that's probably a certain decade there, right? Like it, it is something you could, you can point at and go, okay, um, that is a specific time. So that to me, that's going in the time capsule. I, I think you're, uh, that's a great, that's a great one, Rick. And, uh, you know, uh, and right behind them uh, is a, is a long line uh, looked like of men lined up for hot meals. So, yep. so another thing that this obviously took place during the great, uh, great depression uh, mm -hmm. where there were a lot of soup kitchens and, and folks lined up uh, around the block to, to get those meals. So great, good choice, good choice. Thank I'm you. gonna go. I think it's uh, I think it's uh, the page before that where uh, the bully refers to Arnie as uh, as a Nancy, mm. and that was a particularly offensive slur for a gay man um, back then. It's not one you hear much used anymore, but uh, thankfully. But it certainly was back then. And so I'm glad that uh, that one has been relegated uh, to the history books uh, and isn't, isn't used in contemporary society. It's, the hmm. more we get rid of those, the better. 
So that's interesting because I didn't know that. I I thought Nancy was more of her a sissy, you know, somebody who mm-hmm. is uh, effeminate and was, um, you know, weak of some sort. Like you know, that's how they're being classified. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was for um for someone who's being gay. I I, I never knew that. Yeah, well, I googled it. So, oh, so it. it must be true. You found it on the internet. <laughs> oh, then, on okay, the, then it's on the interwebs, and according to the Oxford Dictionary of Oxford Languages, it mm-hmm. is uh, it, as a noun. It refers to a gay man. So, and if it says so on the interwebs, you know it's true. Uh huh. Well, you know what? So, speaking of Arnie Roth, I think for our next episode, let's go ahead and take a visit to the first time Arnie Roth and Steve Rogers met as adults in quote unquote modern time. Uh, That was it. Now in 268 is technically Arnie Roth's first appearance. J.M. DeMatteis wrote Arnie Roth into, into this story that he was doing uh, as kind of like a side where Arnie Roth notices Steve Rogers on the streets. But in 270 is where he actually comes up and introduces himself to Steve and Steve recognized Arnie Roth's his old friend and, and Arnie, it, it, this is, this issue is a lot about Arnie and Steve's relationship and they kind of uh, get into that. So I, I think that'd be kind of fun to visit. It was from 1982 by J.M. DeMatteis and Mike Zeck. Yeah, I think that's really exciting. I'm excited about that, Rick, because, um, you know, Arnie, um, you know, he, does, he wasn't in that many stories, but the stories that he was in uh, were always impactful for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I just, I just love the idea that um, particularly, you know, now that we've, we've seen that when they were very young, just the fact that, that Steve has a bit of a connection to his pre super soldier serum days, just, Mm -hmm. just one person who knew him um, before the magic happened. Um, To me, that, that has such an emotional impact uh, and, and I'm sure was uh, an important anchor for, for Steve Rogers as well. So I, I'm excited to do this one. Yeah, me too. I think it'd be a lot of fun exploring that relationship. And um, so we'll, we'll come back next episode for, to cover Captain America 270. Sweet. All right. Anything else, Bob, before we uh, call it an episode? Oh, goodness. Uh, no, Rick, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we've we've done a good service. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, had a lot of fun wrapping cap with you. I can't wait till next week. Okay. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. You have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Vance podcast. How, how, how. (laughs) Now I want to go listen to ZZ Top. I know, right? I'm going to put on my headphones, lay in bed. There'll be bleed over. My wife will get mad at me for making the least bit of noise. Yeah, same old story. No, well, you know, but hey, she could say like, what are you listening to? And I'd say, you could say, do you want a pearl necklace?
<laughs> yeah, that's what I want to be slapped before bed. <laughs> uh.